This week on the Jock and Nerd podcast, we finally have a release date for WandaVision, the very first Marvel Studios TV show debuting on Disney Plus, along with exciting details about the show from Entertainment Weekly. Geek Boner! Plus two reviews this episode. First up is The Mandalorian, Season 2, Episode 2, and a listener-sponsored review of Darren Aronofsky's 2006 sci-fi movie, The Fountain. All that, and we share a bad Apple podcast review. What? In this edition of the Jock and Nerd Weekly for Thursday, November 12th, 2020. Hey, what's up? It's Taylor Gray, the voice of Ezra Bridger on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Check. Check one. All right. This is really fans out there. Let's give it up. Hello, listener, and welcome to the Jock and Nerd Podcast, where we give you comic book and superhero TV and movie news reviews and whatever we choose. Jock and Nerd! My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the Jock. And he's the Nerd. And joining us is everyone's favorite, fantastically filthy, felty, it's Rug Boy. What's up, Rugs? What's up, motherfuckers? Good Earth to you. How's everyone doing? Sanity check 2020. Everybody good? Everybody I'm right? still insane. Okay, good. He, you know, that yeah. that felty puppet over there yeah. has looked the same for years. I think he's been sipping on whatever the hell Hugh Jackman was. Oh, he's he found the, the tree fountain. of life and drank some yeah. of that sap rugs. Is that? And he's always he's looked like shit for a long time. Yeah, yeah when you look like shit, it's hard to freaking uh, <laughs> look worse. Uh, rugs, you're the felty equivalent of like Stephen Wright. He's always just looked homeless. Yeah, you know? <laughs> he's always just looked the same even when he was like 25. Look, bourbon, it does preserve you. <laughs> it does. It, it embalms you. There can you be only it. one. Rug Boy is the Highlander pup it forever immortal you're gonna live on rugs which is a blessing and a curse you guys i gotta start this week's show with a little shout out because the nerd here got himself the new iphone 12 (laughs) how is it i need to get i'm probably gonna get one First of all, it's dope. I came from the iPhone 7. So this, oh, I'm on the 8. This is like a huge jump. Uh, this is like the most powerful machine. Uh, it's amazing. It has, finally, the iPhone has all the stuff all the other phones had for years. Oh, shit. Now on the iPhone. But to their credit, they wait. They perfect it. It's got wireless charging, Anthony. It's dope. I'm just never have what are, to. What are, what are the coolest things? Uh, the wireless charging is great. The camera is incredible. The amazing, right? Yes. The screen. So it's an OLED screen. You can watch 4K video. You can shoot 4K video. You can edit 4K video. The screen and the, the colors uh, are phenomenal. Like they just really crisp and they pop. Uh, so I'm digging it. So did, did it when you transitioned yeah, over? Yeah. Sounds like you're getting a sex change, but uh, <laughs> when, when you not got yet. over to that 12, yeah. did it get all your like apps and contacts and everything? Could and not have been easier. You Even your apps? Yeah, there's two ways to do it. I had backed up my iPhone to the cloud, but mm-hmm. when you get your new phone, I, they had to order it, came to my house, I turned it on, it had my name on it, you literally, you put your old phone next to it, and it goes transfer all the stuff, and you just click yes, and it sucks everything over. Wow. Oh, Even shit. the apps? Everything. 
all the pictures and it doubles the phone, everything. Wow. Everything just gets sucked over, over the air. You can, so you can restore it by a backup or you can just do it next to each other. That's amazing. It has this crazy near field technology. So you face just ordered ID. it, huh? You didn't go to the store? Uh, or go to well, like the- this is why there's a shout out right now because I went to the AT&T store. I was like, my bill is too high and I have a phone from five years ago. What can you do for me? Uh, and of course, I might have got us a few listeners because I have a big mouth and I can't shut up. And we started talking about Star Wars and then I handed out podcast stickers. Talking nerd! And I told them I would give them a shout out. So shout out to AT&T store manager Rich Klein. You can visit him at the store at 5233 West Tui Avenue in Skokie if you're local. Rich hooked me up. He got my bill lower. Uh, I have the new nice red iPhone. And Anthony, you'll love. This is the best part. Uh, Guess what I signed up for? To take advantage of more savings right there on the spot, I signed up for AARP. What? Oh, shit. What? You know what that means, Anthony. What are you like a senior citizen? I am an officially an old person. Yes, I did that for you. It's a gift for you, Anthony. Talking nerd. The fuck? I wanted to. Are you are you eligible for that? Any apparently yeah, I don't, I don't this don't is understand. listen. This is like the biggest world's biggest secret. Anyone uh, above the age of eighteen can fucking sign up for AARP and take advantage of all the deals, all the savings. Uh, early, early bird lunch buffets. Here I come. Oh shit! I'm gonna be knocking over seniors to get to that buffet line. Well, I guess we can't really go to the Finally restaurant. Finally, a place where Imran will be the young spry guy. I'm gonna rule the senior center. <laughs> Fuck yeah! No, you have to be over eighteen. I don't know. And rich. Uh, kindly inform me. He's like, I can get you this more savings, this better plan. Uh, and you just have to sign up for AARP. I was like, but that's for old people. He's like, it's for anyone over 18. I was like, okay, it's $12 a year. It's like a dollar a month. So boom, I'm officially an old person. What are you going to do with that $12 now? Uh, got, uh, no, buy yourself a sandwich? Well, what are you doing? No, no. I've paid them $12 a year to be AARP. Oh, but it already saved me $30 off the bill. On my phone. Oh shit! Oh yeah. shit! Nice. So thank you, Rich Klein. Shout out. And they did, they mailed you the phone. Yes, and then I got the phone in the mail. It only took like a few days, and then I went back and I traded my phone in, and I got a, a lot for my trade in, more than what you would get selling a unlocked phone. So that worked great too. So I gave him back the phone trade in. Cost is less. It's a fucking dope phone, dude. iPhone twelve is. I wonder pretty how much nice. you spent. The phone itself. Okay, look. The phone itself is eight hundred forty nine dollars. Jesus. Oh really? That's it? The tri- I have just the iPhone. I thought 12. it was over a thousand. That's like the twelve Pro and the Pro Max. The top What's of the, the line. Uh, the Pro Max is a the the top of the line one is a bigger screen. It has more cameras and it's like has a super charged chip and it's fucking crazy. It's like okay. too much. But then there's a mini Anthony. There's a tiny one that's smaller than your eight, but it's a tw- it's a twelve and just as powerful. Huh. So my trade-in was three hundred and fifty dollars. Oh, so this phone is like five hundred dollars, and then oh, that's they, not bad. Yeah, and then it's just like twenty bucks off the bill every month for like the next three years or whatever. Huh. You don't pay for it all at front. You can if you want. I did yeah. not. Okay, you can. So thank you, Rich Klein, AT and T. If you're in the neighborhood, he will hook you up. Tell him Jock and Nerd sent you. Jock and Nerd. <laughs> wow, you were that was exactly on time. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I don't even have to press the button anymore. Anthony, that's amazing. Let's do. Was, I'm dumbfounded. I, that was so impressive. Let's do the news. The Jock, Jock and Nerd Podcast. So I can legitimately make old person jokes, Anthony. I'm a member, a card carrying member of our. 
<laughs> I mean, you look like one. I know. I did no, for no years. No one would be surprised if you told them oh, you were part yeah. of Arp. Yeah, I did for years. I'm never going to be the fucking poster boy. Like, look at this guy. He's an Arp. Don't you want to join? Uh, I got one thing in the news, uh, you guys, because it's kind of a slow news week, and then we're going to have two reviews. Very exciting. Lots of fun show. But the one thing regards the most anticipated Disney plus Marvel Studios television show their first television show wandavision officially we have a date oh shit oh my god we have a date for one of these fucking there's like 10 shows remember uh, they're working on this is real today they released a teaser on twitter saying wandavision comes out january 15th 2021 oh shit A little bit later than everyone thought. They thought it would be like a Christmas release. With that date, this officially means for the first time uh, since 2008, because of COVID, there was no new Marvel Studios content for the entire year Floppy jock. of 2020. It's wow. kind imagine, of crazy. Just imagine this would have happened like right after Infinity War. And we didn't have oh, the oh, resolution. No. Oh, no. Imagine you never got Endgame for like two years. Oh, no. oh, oh god. my God. Wow. No, that's what? just said be thankful they wrapped that up. Be so thankful that, <laughs> that we. Would, that would have been bad. Oh, and we even got to Spider Man Far From Home, which is the last thing that came out that seems like a million years ago. That was like two years ago. Yeah. Holy shit. Imagine if Endgame got scrapped. They would have had to release that on video, on demand, whatever. They would have they no, not made their know. $3 that billion been, dollar movie. That would have been a tough decision. Oh, fuck. <laughs> But that didn't happen. All that happened is all the movies got pushed back. Phase four and the TV shows that everyone's expecting. Falcon and Winter Soldier was supposed to be the first one, but now it's Von WandaVision. WandaVision. Uh, Entertainment Weekly this week had a cover story, and Wanda and Vision were on the cover. Geek boner. This cover story is great. It's lengthy. I have I pulled out all the important details. Tell us. To tell us, this show WandaVision will be six hours total. So whether that means that's six hour long episodes, I guess. But they're also doing like a sitcom thing. So is it 12 half hour? I don't know. For the premiere, this is amazing. This attention to detail. You know, you see in the commercials, they're playing homage to classic sitcoms. For the premiere, they filmed it in black and white in front of a live studio audience who all signed strict NDAs. Oh, shit. Uh, This is your classic multi-cam sitcom setup. The crew members even were wearing 50s period clothing. They used period lenses on the cameras. Wait, there was a live audience? For the first episode, there is a live studio audience. Anthony, they filmed this like a legit sitcom oh shit it's amazing hmm rugs comment on that uh what did they shot it in front of a live studio audience yeah. i kind of i kind of expected that because they were doing this whole sitcom thing so and, and nobody nobody even like sitcoms on network television nobody does that anymore i mean i was actually thinking they were going to just use canned laughter but i mean this is good if they do it like that maybe it'll bring some uh the reality of a sitcom into it while they're taping it and it's all about the reality so even in while they were taping it they made everybody dress like the 50s they're gonna use wires and camera tricks a lot like they used in bewitched and i dream of genie so imagine like floating wine bottles and you can kind of see the strings you know like you would on the old 50s shows uh vision they had them painted maroon and it was a little off in black and white so they painted in blue and it just looked better so I thought that was interesting. So, and you're never going to see it. You're going to see it in black and white, but it just, it filmed better. Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen got very supercharged. They love this energy of the live sitcom. They weren't expecting this, that they would love it so much. In fact, as you know, Elizabeth Olsen, of course, used to go visit her sisters when they would tape Full House. She's at Olsen. 
So she has a little bit of experience. Um, this show was the closest to completion when the pandemic hit, which is why this is going to be the first Marvel Studios TV show. Like, a lot is riding on this. this episode the first. Episode the first. So that that's going to be amazing. And they're digging in. So this is Kevin Feige's whole idea for the show. He is a sitcom nerd. He would start his day watching reruns on, like, MeTV and Nick and Knight before his workday as a habit. So this whole thing is his idea, which I love. Uh, the head writer is Zach Schaefer, who has worked on Black Widow and Captain Marvel. Matt Shankman is the director this is also great. He has directed episodes of Game of Thrones and Fargo and himself was a child actor on a sitcom on the Growing Pain spinoff, Just the Ten of Us. Geek boner. He knows his sitcoms and he's directing. So I, I love all these picks. Uh, and the, the article does remind us Vision has died twice so far. Hmm. So, you know. What do you mean he died twice? He, technically, he died in Infinity War, remember? And they fucking reversed it. And then he died again. And then died again. In, oh, uh, you're right. He in, did die twice. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's nowhere near as many times Coulson has died on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Lame. But still. Yeah, six times. Not funny. Six, six or seven times. Not funny. Coulson died like a dozen times on that fucking show. So we'll see how they bring him back. If the Vision is even alive. How did, First of all, they have, they're going to have twins. He has no penis. He's got your hand off my penis. He can't say that. He's smooth. We all saw that. He's got no peace. They had kids in the comics. I know. I don't know how. I don't but know. if it's in her head, yeah. then it doesn't matter. She well. can just imagine that he has a penis. And imagine she probably will. And that's great because yeah. you can imagine. I like to imagine, imagine penis yeah. all the time. Then she can just make sperm in her vagina. Yeah. And I, the, guess. I guess she's a witch. She's got powers. You know, I mean, I think this show, I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier would have been maybe an easier show for people to get into. But yeah, this is a weird show. To start off with this one and yeah. just start off with something that sounds like it's going to look a bit different than what we're used to from yeah, Marvel. I love I think it. That's, I think it's a good move. In fact, so, I think it might end up working out and, and being like the splash they needed to to kind of distinguish themselves from TV or from everything else on TV and, and the old Marvel what doing TV. The movies. Yeah. yeah. Geek All this has got to be geek boner. The show itself is set right after Endgame and it starts with them married and living in the town of Westview. Uh, they went so far, the writer and head director, they had lunch with Dick Van Dyke. So they could just ask him all a bunch of questions about sitcoms. And it seems like a lot of unnecessary things. That <laughs> but there's, you know, there's a shot in the trailer where they have separate beds, which was a lot like the Dick Van Dyke show. And uh, I mean, that uh, you have Dick Van Dyke I mean, around. You might obviously, well ask him. I obviously need someone to consult to try and make it a period. Authentic. You know, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's probably a good reason to get Dick Van Dyke around. I'm, I'm, that, well, I'm surprised he's still around. Good for Dick Van Dyke. Uh, Kevin Feige says the show will work even if you haven't seen any of the movies and you just are into like the Dick Van Dyke sitcom aesthetic. But then, of course, it will be super rewarding to us who have watched all the 23 fucking movies. Oh, shit. And then Tayona Paris, who plays adult Monica Rambo in this, she said her quote was, oh, I thought we were doing a little show, but no, it's six Marvel movies packed into what they're presenting as a sitcom. I can tell you, all this got me super excited. Uh, just got to wait a little bit longer. I'm glad we have a date. This sounds amazing. I'm just ready to watch something. Right? Anything. It's been fucking... <laughs> just give me something to watch. I mean, it'll be over a year. Disney Plus has launched by the time uh, this comes out. In fact, they just came out with their numbers. They have... Uh, November, right now, it's been exactly a year. Like November 19th, I think. Next week was a year. Oh, yeah. In October, they posted they have 73 million subscribers. Oh, shit. It's 
pretty good. Not bad at all for one year, dude. That's not bad. That is half of what This Net- is going great. <laughs> this, is- this is going great. That's about half of what Netflix has now after many, many years. So it's close. We'll it's not bad. They're getting a lot of fucking subscribers for hardly anything yeah, new just, on. Yeah, <laughs> just for Mandalorian and Hamilton. And old As stuff. I said, I don't think their goal, I mean, they might have the lofty ambition of getting a Netflix. I don't think they can get that high just because their programming is very, it's, you know, it's, it's, there's a wide berth, but it is but still niche. a niche. Yeah. There's still yep. like yep. a general niche yep. around everything they have. So they have Hulu to put out more adult things. And I think probably we will see that also. Uh, real quick, speaking of Marvel TV, the last old Marvel TV show, there's still one more. Hellstrom on Hulu is out now. I watched the first episode and floppy jock. I just I don't care. I don't, I'm out. I did, it has wow. Yeah, yeah it's not I that was good. Like, it's not good. Yeah, I was like, nah. It looks like so generic. It does. It looks that. like a generic magic, you know, evil spell, dark thing show. It, there's nothing to do with the, any of the Marvel comics that I know. I don't even know Hellstrom that it well. Should to feel be like with. a Marvel show does and not, it doesn't. No, it's does like kind of like a lot of things that Marvel did beforehand. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know. I was gonna give it three episodes, but I couldn't. I, after the first one, I was like, "Nope, I'm out. It's fine. Oh, wow. No problem." There's plenty of things to watch that are good. Uh, listener, let us know what you think. Are you excited for WandaVision? Did you see this Entertainment Weekly article? Join our Facebook group. It's called the Jock and Nerd Nation. It's exclusive. It's closed just for our listeners. Shout out and huge thank you to new member and listener Mike Wagner. Jock and Nerd, Mike. Glad to have you. He, there's a, he's a legit listener that joined, wow. listened, and joined the show. Not added by anyone else, right? This is, this is very exciting. It's kind of, it I feel like, like it's been a while. We got one new person. <laughs> we got one. Yeah. Years wow, and years of trying to get new listeners, and we finally got one. Thank you, sir. Hey, one at a time. That's my motto here. I will turn people onto the show one person at a time. I have the patience. All right, so Anthony, I guess we're reviewing the Mandalorian now every week since even though last week you were the guy that was like, I don't want to have to watch this. <laughs> and then to, and then during the week, after I do my instant reaction, Anthony's like, Hey, let's just review the Mandalorian. Uh, me and Rux, of course we're down with this, but like uh wh- what happened? <laughs> I mean, we were just you know, there's not a lot on. No, there's shit else going on. That's a good point. You know, we're we're some there's times Believe it or not, listener, that after the show, we're trying to figure out what the hell to talk about the next week. <laughs> yeah. And it, sometimes it's a longer discussion than it needs to be. Correct. We have something going on live, and it's an easy watch. So even though I'm not the biggest Star Wars guy, fuck it. Dude, it's hot. Everybody's talking about it. It's buzzy. It's only eight weeks. So we're going to do it. And, of course, I have to have some production. I whipped up a little stinger. If we're going to be doing this every week, it's got to sound nice. Come on, baby. Do the magic hand thing. All right, we are going to review The Mandalorian. <laughs> Whoever came up with that theme, <laughs> so is ama- it's amazing. Oh, my God. They, 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 nailed, they nailed the theme. The little whistle and the piano bass notes. Dun, dun. Yeah, you got like the Western feel, and it's still modern and, and kind of spacey, too. It's yeah, it works. Good. And then it starts, it sounds like the Rocky song at some, <laughs> a certain point. Dude, when, when the action scenes, it's got big, exciting overtures, and then the guitar. I love the acoustic guitar. The music is fantastic. We are talking about Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 1, Episode 2, sorry, Chapter 10, titled The Passenger. Here verse are Verse 6. Verse 6. Um, John. John 316. That's a, <laughs> a lot of numbers when you're trying to explain this show for some Austin reason. Austin 316 says, I just whooped your ass. Here's your spoiler alert. 
Strap yourselves in, you fucks. Spoiler time. This episode directed by Peyton Reed. We know Peyton Reed, guys. He does Ant-Man. He is uh, the Ant-Man director, written again by the John Favreau. Who this is his show this week? The show is forty minutes long. Anthony, uh, quick recap: What happens this week in the Mando? Uh, so the Mandalorian is still looking for other Mandalorians, I believe. Yeah, and yeah. he gets a tip from that lady from the first episode with the wild hair. Halimato, yes, played yes. by Amy Sedaris, and uh, he basically has to go to another planet. But on the way, he has to act as a taxi for this frog-like creature who has a delivery that needs to be sent to another planet undetected to save her race. So he's on this side mission again with the frog girl or the lizard girl or whatever the hell frog that thing is. Frog lady is amazing. Yeah. Uh, Rugs, the episode opens. Mando's back at square one and uh, he's got no more leads and uh, I, don't know, does, I don't even know if by the end of the episode well you're missing you completely buried some really good shit alright get into he, it they, they try and get him these other uh, bounty hunters try and get him and then they knock him off the fucking speeder and then he gives him the jetpack, and then fucking gives the guy a ride it's a great gag Oh, it was fucking mad. That was great. Great opening gag. So sh- telling us that uh, there is a bounty on their heads by Goff- Moff Gideon. So they're not safe anywhere. Anywhere no. outside, they are uh, a target. And I didn't think he was going to fall for that the old rope trick like the Ewoks do in Jedi. But he did. And the jetpack gag was hilarious. Because that's the dumbest thing you can ask for is his jetpack. Of course, he's got a button that's just going to control it and knock yeah, you off. Yeah, it came back down like one of fucking... Like uh, one of those SpaceX things. You know? So then he's has to carry all his shit, including the Boba Fett armor, uh, but on foot back to the cantina, the famous cantina. Yeah. On Moss Eisley. And he's back at square one. Yeah. He goes in there and he finds that lady and she's playing uh, cards. Yeah. Well, that game that they play in Sapak. That is an yeah, Easter. The one, that's the one where, where like Lando lost the Millennium Falcon. Not yeah. Not only that, she's playing with Doctor Mandible, who is an ant, which is a nice Ant Man Easter egg. But they're sitting in the same booth that Han shot Greedo. Yeah, Han Swolo. And and you have the the most famous Star Wars line ever when Greedo says McClunky. Ah. You know, just like all Star Wars lines, it was always there. It wasn't added later. Yeah, like it's always been. <laughs> it's always been McClunky. And yeah. then she basically tells him, "Listen, I, I found you somebody who knows about Mandos." What do you guys think of Frog Lady and uh, her her unfertilized eggs? And what ends up happening, Anthony? Eventually, uh, I found the character to be like a cute little character, and I mean. The fact that uh, that wild that the fro lady can communicate with her is kind of funny. Oh yeah, that's weird. She knows the frog lady language. I, you know, it, it added another layer of because uh, you got Baby Yoda and then the frog character or whatever it is is her name is literally Frog Lady. It's okay, what so it's she's, I mean, she's like also very sympathetic. So yeah. you have these two characters now paired up with Mando, who's this hardened, you know warrior yeah and he's got to like take care of babies and stuff so it's it's like a, a nice little dichotomy i liked the character she's, i thought it was funny like, she's kind of badass she was a great shot at the end with that spider uh she i love her the little detail of her leap running like a frog you know instead of running like that I wasn't expecting that they didn't have to do that that was fucking great but the part where she hacks the droid and and the you know they've crashed and they're stuck there and mando's like the deal is done i can't do this and she just fucking calls him out 
And she's like, I thought that was the Mandalorian code. I mean, was that just stories? And he's so I love this because you see, Mando is a good guy. You know, he he was about to give up, but he he gets up and he's like, fine, let's fucking do this. But here's, what was the deal with the? I have a question. Yeah. he crash lands into that ice planet. That was cool. So those two are those two those two like people the X wing fighters, X wing fighters, yes. they're cops. They're space and they're cops. part of the the new republic, Repu- the new republic, which and, is and they and they pulled them over because why? I forget why. Well, he didn't have a transponder on, which is kind of like you all aircraft. You have to have a little ping, like a transponder, even yeah. in real life. He had turned it off because they're fucking hunting him. He's trying to be sneaky, so they roll up on him. That was a great Easter egg. I was like, oh shit, fucking X wing. They just pulled him over for because he was suspicious, basically. Yeah, of course. Typical. And then Typical he didn't cops. want to get out of the car. Yeah. So he, they had to <laughs> all of a sudden get their guns out, and then he bailed. But one of the pilots was Dave Filoni. Yes, Dave Filoni. That's a great Easter egg. Uh, he was also in – there's a lot of callbacks to season one, episode six, The Prisoner, the Bill Burr episode. He was in that episode, too. The other pilot is uh, – I love that it was an Asian pilot. It's uh, this dude from Kim's Convenience, Paul Sun Young Lee. It's Captain Carson Tiva. I, I love that it's uh, not only an Asian, but it's like a like a fat, uh, fat old older Asian. dude. Yes, it's like as if like this is the best you guys. Like this oh, is the, the kind of shape you needed to be in <laughs> in the future to, to, yeah. to, to, to patrol the the, spa- the it's space. It's a ragtag group, Anthony. <laughs> well, and so the the other Easter egg is the that New Republic, right? Rugs eventually that becomes the New Republic in uh, Force Awakens that we see. Right. So this is just after the Empire has fallen. Uh, but then, yeah, that, that that chase was fucking dope. How Mando eluded them, just dropped out of the sky and skidded. And then they come to his aid at the end, sort of. But then they also just fucking abandon him, don't they? They're just like, I like that they get, they let him go because they heard that he was doing some good shit. They were going to arrest him. He's like, we should arrest you. But you did some good things. And then he's like, hey, will you help me out and fix this thing? And he's like, they're like, nah, you know what? How about you turn on your transponder? We won't shoot you out of the sky next time we see you. Buy and they take off and they don't help him, which I thought was funny. Well, you know, they did save his ass. He was going to die. So, I mean, what, what more could they do? Well, let's talk about that scene, though. I think that scene is very on the nose, alien esque. Yes. With the face hugger type things yes. that come out. That's up there, spiders. The spiders and, are scary. and then you get like a space arachnophobia. Yep. The move from the movie vibe. And also, I, thought, I thought that was, I thought it was, I thought it was a, a fun little um, adventure. I mean, I think. We've I've kind of figured out the tone of the show and that it's like these fun little adventures on different parts of the Star Wars universe with like an underlying um, storyline that's running like a through thread throughout. But they're not always hitting that main storyline. They're always going to these side missions. So I've kind of accepted that this show isn't going to is going to meander. Sometimes you may not learn anything new. Sometimes it may not advance the overall plot. This is kind of a, st- a standalone monster of the week tale, which is fun. Is it filler? It, I mean, I don't even know. the first episode was kind, kind of a of monster was. of the week. Kind yeah. of it was. And this one, they don't even end the mission. He doesn't oh, get to the fucking going. planet. I was like, oh shit, he didn't even fucking well, finish the fucking mission in 40 minutes. I like that there's kaiju in every episode. Yeah, that's and, true. Like, this is giant monster. Dude, those spiders were dope. Also, like, it reminded me of John Carpenter's The Thing a little bit and the great, great horror part. Well, the, the the spiders were inspired by uh, some old concept art, yes, right? They were Ralph McQuarrie's concept art that for Empire Strikes and Back unused. They were also featured in either either Rebels, I think, or or one of those. Oh, or, they were. Or, yeah, they were also featured in one of those uh, Disney cartoon animated cartoons. 
uh, the Star Wars cartoon. There's tons of fucking Easter eggs in every episode. I love it. Let's just get to the big fucking elephant in the room. And that is, I agree uh, with the internet, that Baby Yoda is a fucking menace. Oh, shit. This cute little creature that has lulled us into this feeling of harmlessness is a menace to endangered intergalactic species as he's eating all the frog ladies fucking eggs and then he just starts eating the spiders uh, all willy-nilly without checking causing a fucking major to-do he did eat frogs season one and he is a growing boy I understand he needs protein but he how many species has he fucking wiped out at this point What do you think? I don't know. Menace or not? What, was, she, what, was were they bordering on extinction, or she's just trying to save her family line? I I, okay, it was exactly. her family line, and as um, an executive from Lucasfilm points out, they are unfertilized eggs. So it's equivalent to eating a chicken's egg, like we do, right? They're unfertilized right. eggs. But it was the last of her line. Maybe they weren't endangered. Still, Baby Yoda, you can't just go around fucking putting things in your mouth and eating them. There are consequences. He was like he was like like the low key bad guy in this episode. What a menace! Yeah, he's Baby like Yoda. Yeah, he's like looking. Yeah, he's at those, kind of an asshole. Yeah, yummy eggs. And then at the very end, did you catch that? He pops one more in his mouth. Oh, he's oh, yeah. so funny. So I don't yeah, like this fucking. I, I, kid. I was like, I, I was like, I like Baby Yoda, but this is the last of this character's race, and you're just swallowing the eggs. He does. He, I mean, he doesn't know any better, but it's still like. You know what? He's 50 years old. He could be trolling everybody. He could completely understand everything around him. I don't know. I don't know how this works. (laughs) This is true. So he knows. Maybe he knows. Uh, What do the Star Wars guys think of this episode? Meaning you two. I mean, it's the Mando. Yeah. It's fun. It's it's fine. It's not like um, there. I think the jaw dropping moment's going to be next week. We're going to I think we're going to meet because they had like a tease of of Boba Fett in the last episode. And then nothing in this episode, but you- nothing in this episode. But I think if I remember the, um, the trailer correctly, there is a part where there, you could see the, the frog lady with the backpack and they're walking out. Oh, they into get to like the a, planet. Yes. In, they're walking out to a pier with water yes, or like yeah. a ship with water around yeah. it. So they, they, and then there's that girl. With that's the hood Trask. On. Yeah. That's Trask. That's the planet Trask is where they're going. Oh, and the girl so the girl might be the. If they talk about the Mandalorian. There's a Mandalorian uh, called Sabine, and Sabine used to have might the dark the saber. Also, right? Uh, Sabine is this is uh, her sister has the dark saber. Oh, her sister does. Well, he's still looking for his. Or used to have the dark. You know, all his Mandalorians that we saw in the first season. But the thing is, the last person Sabine was seen with was Ahsoka Tano. Oh shit! So, oh shit! I think next episode might drop something huge. Okay. I mean, I hope they introduce some more people. Like, this episode was fun. wasn't as epic as the first one. A little bit smaller scale. But fun ride. Uh, we didn't learn anything new. and They didn't really advance the plot. We learned a little bit about Yoda's species, and they just like to eat fucking eggs of everything. Uh, th- so, overall, it was I, 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 I enjoyed it, and uh, I like having something every Friday to look forward to. That's new. couple other Easter eggs that we didn't mention. Uh, season one, I think in the first episode, you did see Dr. Mandible and Frog Lady in the background in an episode of the first season at the cantina. We talked about the Sabak and the McClunky. Oh, did you see they were roasting the dragon meat? Finally, it looked delicious. I wanted a piece they're of They're using stripping. like a pod racer yes, engine. Yes, they're using a pod racer engine, which is uh, also, it's how it's done. This is a crazy Easter egg. This is if you went to the Galaxy's Edge theme park and you went to the restaurant, you would see that droid and that exact engine roasting 
food. So that is an Easter egg to their Galaxy's Edge restaurant. Oh, shit. Right? That's crazy. Uh, yeah, we talked about the X-Wing fighters. I love when they were like, uh, he's like, can you switch over to channel two? And there's silence. And it's like very tense. And then the fucking, they open to attack mode. Oh, and shit. You're like, that's, that's never good. Oh, and Mando says, may the force be with you. Geek motor. What does this mean? Does he believe? I don't think it means no, anything. He, he doesn't say that. He says it yeah, to the does. pilots. He goes, may the force be with you. And they go, and to you. I thought he. I thought they said it to him, and no. he goes, and also with you. No, he said it to them to try, uh. try to fucking uh, mix in and cool, calm everything down. Like, I believe in the Jedi. But he's literally has a Yoda with him. So wouldn't he believe in the fucking Jedi now? Is it, what, what did that mean? I think he was just trying to fool them. Well, he knows the force exists, but I think that's just something that people say to each other. Yeah, it's like I don't think that there's. I don't think that the context is that we, uh, there's fucking green dudes that can move things with their hands. And shit. So it's like say it's just like assalamu alaikum. That's what you do. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty much uh, like it's you know the everybody in the old Star Wars movie said it to each other. Yeah, it's like may peace be unto you and yeah, unto sure. you whatever, but it's the force. Uh, hmm. I did love this one post I found on Facebook regarding the baby Yoda and the species of Yoda being a menace. Uh, this guy wrote, one thing the Mandalorian has made clear is that Yoda wasn't on Dagobah in Empire for any mystical force reasons. He was there because it was a literal smorgasbord for him. Oh, shit. Everything for miles around was probably terrified of him. Every food chain ended in Yoda and his death came as a huge relief to the entire ecosystem. He was the apex predator in the bog. I, I, I believe that now. <laughs> I, I believe that shit. You guys are already. That's already too deep. I have okay, no idea what's we'll going on. Back it up. Now. Let's rate. No, the- no. You can keep it there. <laughs> I just. I. I have nothing to say when we get to this point. Uh, I understand. I'm and I'm glad you're uh, watching the show, though. You remember? You've seen Empire Strikes Back, right? Long time ago. I don't yeah, know. Okay. I really remember don't know what he's even in the happened. Bog, in that he lifts movie. the. And then he's I, on his Darth backpack. Vader fall. Is that where you find out that he's his father? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Remember Yoda's on Luke's back in like a backpack, and he's running through like a forest, lifting up X-wing fighters. You remember that shit? Uh, no, never mind. Really, okay, no. well, the Star Wars fucking nerds got that joke. Um, we can just rate. Lots of our <laughs> listeners just started crying. Right? Yes, <laughs> at least Anthony's watching though. He's giving it a go <laughs> with this new set of stuff, which is unfortunately has is not all the best. It's a mix of like really good and what is this hot mess? Uh, let's. R- What's the um? Yeah, you know, after I, I feel like everyone likes this. Is this? You know, this is the first thing. That they've really come out with that's kind of universally liked that not and not really Lucas has no involvement in this right like this is all no. just this is, their Dave, own this stuff. is Dave Filoni and John Favreau this is well, all John Favreau a lot they're pulling a lot of this stuff from like old non-canon legend stuff that what used to be canon and then when Disney bought it they made it not canon like, isn't that weird that they made it not canon and now he's going back and pulling because from Dave that Filoni stuff. loves all this yes, shit yes, he was he a super nerd of Star Wars yep he read all the books. He read everything, so he can't not draw from it because he's like, it's already been done, yeah. and that's he's what like, why Star Wars just, is to me. Why would we just use this? This is great. Because yeah. because what I'm getting at is that there's a lot of like ever since Disney bought Star Wars, you know, it's 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 corporate. There's not, um, you know, you don't have Lucas behind, it. you don't have the originator behind it. So it's 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 obviously just a cash grab. But it seems like they, you know, they Disney's found a way at least with this these creative staff to create something that. People are accepting. You, you know what the difference is between this and the tre- the prequel, the sil- s- sequel trilogy, if I can get words out, here's the big difference why this works. This is one one writer, 
one guy's vision. He has a plan for the whole thing. Unlike Kathleen Kennedy, for some reason, saying we're going to do three movies, three different people, three different live writers. Nobody, there's no fucking plan. They're talking to each other. What the shit is that? This is what you do. It's one guy, one vision. Let him fucking tell a story. Yeah, I mean, Favreau's in charge. Even if he doesn't write the stories, he's got uh, editorial over the story. He can sit there and change it. He can produce it however he wants. So it is, and Filoni's right there with yep, him. Yep. So um, he's got like a, a huge Star Wars fan that's been successful at doing Star Wars series. And so it, it's it's all like stuff that's worked. Like they're, they're not gambling. Yeah. Like where they're just... Gambling on a director, they have no idea what the fuck exactly. he's going to do with Ryan Johnson. Oh, it's, it's good it, stuff. Yeah. I think it's it's way more on target. Um, it, it, it's not like anything mind-blowing or whatever, but it is satisfying to watch. I, I would say the the most mind-blowing thing, and I said it last week, but I mean, they're just the production It alone. looks great just again. the way it looks yeah. and the way the CGI is integrated and the music. The monsters like, look I, the, great. The feel, like it feels like so high level even if the the content on the screen is is you know kind of generic and just fun but the the feel of it is like wow every time i watch it i go it's like holy shit this is a tv show yeah you and you said this last season it's important that it is digestible star wars to even people like you you could still enjoy it and there's you know like we just talked about there's a shit ton of easter eggs for people like us but you still enjoyed it because it's a fucking great space western story uh, that we need right now. And the main character's got a fucking helmet on. Yeah, so you don't got to look at a face, and it's just very <laughs> mysterious. And how many, do you think, I wonder if he'll take off the helmet. How do you carry a here? show with no facial Ama- expression? Amazing. And he does it. He does it. Whoever's in there is doing it. Do we want to rate the show this week? You guys want to give it a rating? What yeah, would you give? Okay, Anthony, what would you give? 7.5. That's going to be my rating, too. I'll give it a seven and a half rugs. Yeah, I'll be on the, I'm, on, I'm all in the, I concur with you both. That's the uh, that seems to be about uh, the average rating. It's it's not the the only thing for me is that the show isn't like super memorable memorable because the content again is very uh, villain of the week type stuff. Yeah, but I mean the production value it is definitely something that I will remember. And I'm not the Star Wars nerds. So all the all the Easter eggs just go right over my head. But it's still it's great storytelling and the music and it looks great and it's something you don't have to be embarrassed watching. You could just have a good time. It's a great adventure. One uh, one more piece of news. Uh, the third season has not officially been greenlit, but they have started pre-production. They've been in pre-production for months, hoping to start filming by the end of this year. This article from Deadline says another Mandalorian-related project spinoff is coming. This guy says, I hear possibly a Boba Fett miniseries would film first starting next week or later this month with the Mandalorian season three production coming after that so it's possible we may get a season of boba fett before mandalorian 3 wouldn't this just be a show with a mandalorian without baby yoda like is that gonna work now now yeah, that you i did don't this? think they should do a boba fett show i think he should be in the mandalorian yeah put him in the he doesn't need another show this could get very diluted very quickly if they're getting too excited with the buzz the I show think, is getting i think that the the key thing to do is not to give you too much Boba Fett. Yes, correct. I think keep him mysterious, keep him like badass, keep him in there. You don't want him. You want to have people wanting more. Not you're like okay, you just completely blown your blown your load with Boba Fett, and now the mystery's gone. So I like keep him mysterious, keep him in there 
as a side character coming in, being badass, and then getting the fuck out of there, and then just reappearing. He's again. that kind of character you use in small doses to use properly. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, you could. I don't know, because then you got like the Buffy Angel thing, right? Where you have Angel and you can fucking make a whole new show, and you're like, which fucking show do I watch? <laughs> and you're gonna lo- you're not gonna watch both of them. Plus, they're making an Obi Wan show. They're making that other D- uh, the Rogue One show. They're making so- uh, something. They should make a Han like, Solo. They have to be completely different shows yeah. for them to be viable. Do we need another Mandalorian show? That just because it's Boba Fett, I don't know. Yeah, we've already seen all. We've already seen all of the tricks that Lame. he does. You know, yeah. Anyways, good stuff. Good review, fellas. Listener, uh, if you need a mask, which you will because, well, everything started to shut down again here in Chicago and Illinois. New restrictions. Uh, we have masks. Visit our T Public shop, jockandnerd.com slash shop. And there's a bunch of sales going on. Jockandnerd! Of course, it's November and it's, you have your pre Cyber Week sale and then the actual Cyber Week sale. So this week, November 17th to November 22nd, site wide sale, 35% off up to everything, 35% off. So that means you get $13 t shirts. Uh, and then, of course, there will be a Cyber Week sale the following week, November 24th, 25th. Again, $13 T-shirts, everything up to 35% off. A great time to get a bunch of Jock and Nerd swag. Somebody bought a T-shirt, by the way, fellas. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. I got an email today. I don't know who it was. Yeah, it's one of my coworkers. Oh, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. The fuck? His name is Chance. Chance, the rapper, bought a Jock and Nerd T-shirt. Jock and Nerd. He did. He did. I'll, I'll give him a shout out. He is a coworker of mine, but yeah. he has his own business. Okay. Um, let's see here. Let me just make sure I got it correct here. It's called Hooks and Shelves. Okay. And he basically makes shelves and hooks. Cool. <laughs> and you can find it. If you want to dem- see what the product is, give me just one second. Let me actually look up his IG. Mr. Hooks and A&D Shelves. Yeah. And if you look that up, you can see all it's all handmade uh, shelves. Wowie zowie. Hey. Made out of wood. Chance, maybe you want to uh, we do a sponsorship or something. We sold uh, ball trimmers prior, so we, we can move things. <laughs> and chairs. And chairs and gaming chairs and other shit. We can move things. Uh, yeah. and people Who doesn't need hooks and shelves? You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. shit. Hooks and shelves. Everybody's hooks and shelves. So check that out, listener, and check out our shop, jockinner.com slash shop. Let's take a quick break here for some promos, and we'll be back with more show right after this. After these messages. Transmission commencing. This is Wookie Radio. Translated for the Wookie Affair. I like that Wookie. Your hosts, Ken, Derek, and Mike, bring you the latest news and commentary from the far reaches of the galaxy. Uh, hold it. Hold it. I said hold it. Subscribe today on iTunes and Stitcher. I just assumed it's a Wookie. Start listening today and remember the Force will be with you always. Hi guys, we're Mary and Vanessa, the host of True Crime Dropouts. Join two best friends and former criminal justice majors as they pretend to know all things true crime. So sit down, grab a broom, drive, we really don't care, and give us a listen. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere really. And don't forget, stay in school, or you'll end up like us, degree list without that fabulous FBI job. Listener, if you enjoy the show, join our fan club. Visit jockandnerd.com slash Patreon. Jock and Nerd! 
and you will be able to support the show on a monthly basis. We would appreciate it. It helps us keep making the show every week, and you get a bonus content, an exclusive RSS feed where the shows come out early just for Patreon supporters and bonus movie reviews, post shows. Uh, you know, the, you can find out the whole story about Anthony's puppy. Oh, shit. Uh, on, on, on the Patreon. I put that on there because I need, we have to follow up with uh, mm. everybody's going to know how the puppy, what happens with the puppy. I also, this week, bonus content, I did another uh, instant reaction commentary to episode two, just we just reviewed because <laughs> I, I'm gonna. I, I said I was gonna keep doing this. I'm gonna keep doing this, but keep I doing it. I didn't think we would be reviewing the show every week. But I'll do both. I fuck it. It doesn't matter. It's fun. I do enjoy. I mean, you doing like it. to talk. Yeah. No, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, it's fun to do this. I hope. Well, the episode comes out on Friday. We don't record on Friday, so it takes a week to get. So if you want to get an early Correct. reaction, yeah, yeah you, you'll get the reaction sense. right away on Saturday or Sunday instead of waiting a whole. Then week. when you watch the show, just fast forward through this part. Yes, there well, you go. or you can hear our opinions. Yes, you can listen. There's chapter markers. You can jump around, skip back and forth. I made everything very easy for you. Uh, also, if you give us $10 a month, <laughs> made it that be easy I'm for making, you. Talking nerd. This is just for you. I'll make it easy. Uh, people giving us $10 a month or more get to pick any movie they want to force us to watch and review. And we love doing these. That's been some of the most fun reviews uh, I think we've done, whether it's a great movie or a fucking disaster. Uh, but you can do that. We're going to do one right now. So visit joggingnerd.com slash Patreon. Get your movie pick in. This week's movie review is The Fountain from 2006. Uh, this one is sponsored by, dedicated to listener, Patreon member, John Campbell. Detective John Campbell. Oh. It's not a tumor. I'm a cop, you idiot. John Campbell. Uh, this, his first pick, this is his second pick. His first pick was The Amazing Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Oh, shit. Wow, thanks oh, wow. for making me watch that one. That was amazing. Uh, we did that back in episode 288, if you want to check out that review. Here are your spoilers for The Fountain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Prepare to be spoiled! This movie, written, still makes you laugh, doesn't it? Still does. So funny. This movie, written and directed by one Darren Aronofsky, who right away... Written and directed. Written and directed. This is his baby. Uh, an amazing filmmaker... Uh, Anthony, I don't know if you know anything about him. A guy kind of burst. Wrestler. Burst, yes. He burst out of the scene well in the late 90s, 1999. Requiem from a Dream? That's right. Before that, he makes a movie called. Do you know the first one? I. Yes. Pie. That's not. The brick is not. 1998 Pie comes out. Low budget, black and white. It is a fucking mind fuck movie. Amazing. Geek boner. Uh, and Would you say it's like a screwdriver to the head? Oh, I see what you did there. A drill to it's, the head. It's like a drill to the head. If you see the movie, you know. And then he follows that up two years later. Requiem for a Dream. Another. This time he's got a bit of money. He's got a cast. He's got Ellen Burstyn. Uh, he's got uh, Jennifer Connelly, Jared Leto. And I think Marlon Wayans is in this movie. Another movie that you watch. And by the end of it, you are literally shook. You feel ill. Like, Pi does the same thing. These these first yeah, two they, movies. they're very unsettling films. Oh, my God. I never had a movie made me feel like these two movies have made me feel. So The Fountain comes out in 2006 uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. This movie is sitting at 52%. Uh, right. Average score, 6 out of 10. 
Right. So mm. already critically not as great as his first two movies. But you're right, Anthony. He goes on to direct uh, movies like where to go. The, the wrestler, wrestler, Black Swan, uh, Black Swan, Noah, got an Oscar nominees, Noah, no one like, and Mother, and Mother with people with an exclamation mark. So those are that's that's his. Uh, I have not seen Mother yet. I, have see I haven't seen Mother either, and I heard it's crazy, and I kind of want to see it. Uh, this movie had a budget of thirty-five million dollars. This is gonna after we review it. I got a kind of a what the fuck happened to this movie. It's a very interesting. Oh, okay, story. you have it down here. I I know, see yeah, it. I know everything that happened. Budget thirty-five million dollars. Box office worldwide, this movie ends up making sixteen million lame dollars. Ah. Only half mm. of its budget, starring primarily two people. You got Hugh Jackman playing three different characters: Tomas, Tommy, and Tom Creo, and Rachel Weiss as the love interest. There's a cameo from Ellen Burstyn, who's done other movies with Aronofsky, uh, and then other people. You got the Ethan Suppley. Anybody loves the Ethan Suppley small role? Sean Patrick He's Thomas. He's in short Suppley. He's in short. <laughs> Ethan Suppley is in short Suppley. <laughs> Anthony, I would, oh, and if you want to watch this, it is on HBO Max and HBO. If you subscribe, uh, it's it's up there for anyone to watch. Anthony, I would love to hear you describe what the fuck oh, happens fuck. in The Fountain. Yes. I believe this movie is on the mindfuck list, I right? think it is on the 99 mindfuck list movie. It has to be, Which right? now there's like, it's like 104 now. What happens in this movie? Yeah, explain I, the plot, please. I don't even think Aronofsky could e- explain. <laughs> well, I how can he try. Oh, Rugs, you want to try? Why don't you try? Oh, shit. A synopsis, oh, not a not a not a detailed a, explanation a or anything. Recap. Okay, this is a story about a a, a man who's a doctor who's trying to save his wife who is dying from brain cancer, and um, basically he he's. Using a lot of his time trying to cure her and instead of actually spending time with her. And then, um, you know, basically it, it all stems from that. Like, does he save her? Does, does she, does she die? What happens in that, in the aftermath of that? And that's basically the, what the movie is about without spoiling it. Well, okay. That's a good plot. I'll take that. I mean, I, if I tell you she's wrote a book. And well, uh, then we'll get into it. That's the yeah, yeah and that's another thing. It's not really a spoiler, but she writes a book. Here's the other thing you kind of have to know the movie is told interspliced with Tom playing three different characters from three different time periods spanning literally a thousand years. Oh, shit. Uh, you have a character, a conquistador, a Spanish conquistador in 1500s. You have the scientist Tom, present time, and then you have the strange. Silver Surfer, Doctor Strange, Space Monk, fucking floating in space, Tom. The astronaut, you Astronaut, apparently 2,500 uh, years, year 2,500 or 2,600, like five. So this, these, and it, it is a beautiful and ambitious and confusing movie as he tries to tell the story of the scientist looking for immortality or the cure to death, or I'm not really sure. Anthony, what do you got? Um. Yeah, I think this, yeah, it's a, movie dealing with death and the inevitability of it, but also how death creates life and how we're all afraid of death. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting movie. Um, I would say, I I don't know if I'm fully on board with this one and weird movies in general like this. I feel like this one is a little, with all the different cuts between different, time periods and fantasy and what's happening and what's reality 
I don't know. It just doesn't really work for me. <laughs> it's kind of a, I can't really follow the plot. I mean, I can follow each individual plot, but then once they all tie in together, I'm very like, okay, what? Okay, is so it is kind of a thing where it's unclear whether it's a time loop or a reset, and you literally watch. Or is it an imagination? Or is it an imagination? Or, like, or like, did he write did the book that she wrote? Did that? Did that happen? Is are he, any like, of these people real? real? I, yeah. I well. The book is the only thing that's not continuous. All right, so let me just get my thoughts well, out on this Can you explain linearly, chronologically, what happens, Rux? That's well, what my question Okay, so um, the book is just um, – what's her name? Well, Character. so to explain Izzy, – just yeah. So Izzy, Izzy writes this book. Isabel writes the book, which is about the conquistador that you see him playing in the beginning of the movie. Right. All the characters are named. Even the Queen Isabel of Spain is, is, is the – is the person. Yeah. So, you know, so she's kind of reaching back into her subconscious or whatever, and she's writing this book and she's actually the Tom character, Tom, the Tomas character, the conquistador. She's searching for the, this, this oh. thing. She's searching for like this, uh, the eternal life. Okay. You know what? This suddenly, okay. Something makes sense now. Okay. Okay. So now at the end of that story, she never makes it to the end. She wants she wants her husband to finish it, right? Yes. And in that act, uh, she, he kind of realizes what he what he's going to do, and he stumbles up. Like I'm going to try and explain this. What happened? <laughs> he in trying to save her life, he stumbles stumbles on immortality. All right. So that plant thing that cures that monkey, right? He stumbles on immortality, finds it too late. Right. She's already dead. He do, He. Uh, basically he starts eating it well, he starts eating it he starts eating from the plant and and by the way um he also does her bidding with her death and she he makes her into a tree he buries her and then plants a plant yes, seed yes and that tree is 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 spliced with her her she's in the life tree form and also the tree bark that he had what and <laughs> basically he she tells him that Sebulba is going to explode at some a certain point in time, and so he's living uh, into immort like for years and years and years until that equinox or whatever that fucking that destruction was going to happen, and then he takes them up there so they could all be part of that and in that whole the dying and the rebirth. You know, together. I, I watched this movie twice, and what you just said makes a lot more sense. Yeah, and I know it makes a little bit more sense. I still don't like it. I picked up, <laughs> I picked up things the second time, but cause I was like, are there two trees? She's in the tree, by the way, Sebulba, this nebula they're heading to looks like the, so what about the story with the, the, in, in with Ponce de la, like in South America, did that happen or not? No, that did not happen, but I don't think it happened, but I think that she it did happen though, but I thought it, he, it happened because they did find that tree with with the with the sap and i think that's the tree that they end up using to cure the monkey right i think that it happened but didn't happen to her like to it her. happened yeah it didn't happen to isabel like it, isabel wasn't there it's not that she's not the character she's she's just did all this research and oh. figured out all this stuff so she's writing it and she in it, the way it's told is with this thomas character who's played by hugh jackman but it, hugh jackman wasn't there no no oh. she's trying to She's basically justifying the existence of this, like this thing that, that comes later in the film, which is the 
the immortality. So confusing. But Bart, but none whatever. of that happens unless him space astronaut in the future shows up at that point in the 1500s in front of the guy and he says, first father, I didn't realize it was you and allows him to kill him. And then he finds the tree, which if but, he, but he eats, her, the, eats the sap and he becomes he plants. Yes, that was fucking crazy and creepy. Weird. It was like swamp thing. So he dies. So his story doesn't happen, but. Uh, the scientist does live on to be because at the end you see him plant the tree. That tree becomes the tree that he's taking in the bubble, twenty five in year twenty five hundred to Zaboba. She's in the tree, but she dies, and the movie actually ends with the birth of the universe. Him, the, the how she said death is an act of creation, and I'm watching it a second time in the middle of the movie. She explains the Mayan. Uh, story and it's about him that first father went up and sacrificed himself and that's where the big bang happened so and if you notice the movie it's a circle yeah. yeah the movie ends in a whiteout right instead of a blackout and right and if you watch the credits you it's a slowly the the birth of the universe you start to see the shapes form and then it becomes stars and it becomes the galaxy right well it's because awesome life comes from death yes right? so even like the 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 Chasing immortality is actually the wrong way to view life because you're not actually creating new life by doing that. You have to have death for it to have life. Is that the that's that's kind of what I got from it. I love the tattoo. When you find out that the tattoos on him, the rings are him like tracking time like a tree. Uh, that shit was crazy. I thought Hugh Jackman and Rachel Weisz, I thought Jackman was very good. I mean, this is like, you could see like James McAvoy doing this today. He reminded me a lot of McAvoy. Uh, what'd you guys Should've think? Should have been Brad Pitt. Or, uh, well, we'll get into that <laughs> in the what the fuck happens. If you want to get to that now, I can tell you why. No, no, no. We'll, we'll, we but what did you think of the first. movie? Let's talk about yeah, it. Talking about the movie. We're, we're, you're, you're, we're get, we've gotten into what the plot was. It is very ambitious and at the same time, unfortunately, cheap looking, which distracted me. You can obviously, when they got out on the roof of, with the fake snow and even in like the rainforest scenes, you could tell it's indoors on a set. So it's very confusing. At the same time, the fucking space graphics are, are, are something I've never seen before and they are beautiful. So I can see, but it's so clunky. I, I wish he didn't actually find what he was looking for at the end. I feel like that was, you know, usually you leave it ambiguous for the viewer what happens, but you're given an answer. He gets his answer. He be he dies. He breathes life, and the whole thing starts over again. Let, let, I want I want to hear oh, Rug Boy, but not know. yet because I think he has the best understanding of the movie. So I'll, I'll, let me say yeah. what I thought first, yeah. and then I want to hear what Rug Boy has to say because he knows more. This I can see why this movie did poorly at the box office. Number one, yeah. Um, this is movie even for me is very confusing. There's not really like, it's not a very uplifting movie. I mean, I guess the message is kind of uplifting, but not really like it's very dour. The entire movie, it's super confusing. The cuts between different scenes. I just don't feel like the movie does a good enough job of explaining what is going on. I mean, you, you can one out of three of us put the dots together. So, you can imagine a mainstream audience watching this and just going like, "What the fuck? What, what are we talking? What are we even watching here?" <laughs> yeah. like, so for me, that was my takeaway. As I was like, I, I just don't this this movie's not all that palatable for me. It's too much. It's too much work for something that um, could be told in a way that would be a little bit easier to digest. See, I found certain things beautiful. I'm going to go back and mention that in the beginning, that one shot where he's doing tai chi and it's he's just a black silhouette. 
in front of the stars. It's fucking gorgeous. That was stupid. It's so weird. You didn't like that? I was like, no. that looks amazing. What the fuck it, looked, is this? it looked like a panel from like a Frank Miller fucking graphic novel comic book. I was like, that's gorgeous. Super, super but strange. what did all of it amount to? Uh, I don't know. Rugs. Well, uh, let's talk about some of the stuff that I liked. And um, overall, I, I do like this movie. I've seen it. I, the first time I saw it, I was a little bit uh, like iffy on You need to watch it twice also. And then I saw it a second time. Yeah. And then I was like, whoa. And then I like I watched certain scenes again. Like just like I was like, oh, OK. And I was like, oh, I get it. I'm, I, I'm, as soon as I started getting it, I'm like, oh, I have to go back and watch this scene and and I did. And that's the great thing about HBO Max. You can just jump there. It's great. So uh, I started to see a lot of like his mastery of just cinema and how he used shots and how he did that upside down road. Yep. And he did it like th- every time that there was a uh, into the next into the next story, he would do that. So basically telling you these things are all connected. There's, there's also like the weird close up shots of like mouths and hands and all that stuff. Yes, absolutely. That happens a lot. There's um, when he walks into Queen Isabella's, uh, uh, you know, uh, throne room, yeah. and all those candles are, are lit like the galaxy. Oh, they're floating, oh. and then she's behind this gate yes. that's all like wooden, like a like like a tree, and then all of the patterns on her dress are of a tree. Oh, wow, yeah, and all of these like, little details that you could just pick up, and it's all cinematic. Also, you know, you notice in the 1500 scenes there's a lot of triangles the doorways the shapes of triangles in present yes. day there's a lot of squares as windows and and tvs and then the future is circles yeah cool. so everything yeah. so there, <laughs> but then they're like, the idea of rings as a motif yes. there's a lot of motifs going on they they happen throughout the film and you know like the, the the tree bark having the hair that kind of like reaches out to him with the static electricity and the cheek he kisses the back of her neck the with, the, with the hair yeah, in it. Right. It, it, it. All of these images are calling back to one another, and all of these things are are kind of in the realm of cinema are very well planned out and very well done. Now, there is a clunkiness to it. I'll admit. I'll admit that um, that uh, maybe having um, Hugh Jackman finding the the tree and turning into the tree yeah. might throw people completely off because. It's subverting your expectation of what's going to happen, yeah. and you think that he's going to you know, do do something, and he's going he ends up dying. He gets sucked into eternity. But that is, you have to understand that is Tom writing the ending of that story. Oh. after he's just put Izzy into a uh, you know into a grave and buried a tree along with it, so he fixed that story's ending to be that. You know? didn't he, he was writing in the future, wasn't he? Right. He was filling it out in the future well, scenes. Yeah. yeah. He finished. He finishes it. They keep saying she keeps saying finish it. So he's finishing the story like in his mind, I think, or, or on paper. Yeah. 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 So well, I like how they show how you make ink and the pen and stuff. That's I love that stuff. Right. Pen and inks are cool. All right. So uh, I mean, yeah. I, I understand that all those cool motifs There's and all a lot that of stuff. beauty in it. I don't know. There is a lot of, I guess there's a lot of beauty that just, it all goes, if I don't understand what the fuck is going on, it is confusing. none of that makes, none of, none of that, none of that matters to me. If, I, if you can't, if you can't tell me the story yeah. in a way that I can understand and go back and explain to somebody, yeah. then what's the point? So, yeah, it's absolutely, it's it, confusing. It, you, gotta, you have to be able to deliver the message in a way that people can understand at some point. Well, what was the message is that you can't, 
there's no cure for death. You have to accept it as a beginning. Is that was there a message? Yeah, that's the message. Yeah. But then how? Like the, the the way that we got there yes. is told in in such a clunk, like convoluted. Yeah, convoluted, and like we're doing these cool transitions from one thing to another, but the tones are changing, and it's just like, and you go and you know old conquistador then you're going fantasy then you're going bald, present day and it's just like there's a lot of like it's just a lot and i think it tried to do out. a lot it tried to do it was very ambitious tried to very do a ambitious, lot yes um i i think that i just like that other movie like i'm thinking of ending things yeah it was kind of like not really a pleasant experience to, to, to a little bit yeah it's similar it, it reminded it, me of that it also reminded me of magnolia yes it does remind me of magnolia it has that ambition and that attempt at that kind of scale and the weird shit and the, like weird the reason and stuff. I, one yeah, of the things yeah, i like yeah. about this film is that it's it's very short it's an yeah. hour and 20 minutes yeah yeah, yeah. hour 37 it felt like, it felt like three hours oh me. fuck no <laughs> Oh, God. Okay, well, here we go. What the fuck happened with this movie? This is a fascinating story. Darren Aronofsky had been trying to make this movie since 2000. When he turned 30, he started thinking about his own mortality. His parents were diagnosed with cancer also when he turned 30. So this is now a thing in his life where you can see where some of this chasing immortality and cheating death comes from. Uh, he wanted to make a science fiction movie at the time that was going to be different, that didn't have robots or gadgets, that wasn't like a Terminator to try to be set aside from everything else. He originally planned to direct this movie, The Fountain. They had given him a $70 million budget because Brad Pitt oh, shit. and Kate Blanchett signed on for the re- lead roles. Now, there were scheduling difficulties. Things got pushed back. Eventually, Pitt left the project. And the cost overruns led Warner Brothers to shut down this production this first time. They had built a fucking 10-story Mayan temple in a set that they had to auction off later after Pitt left. He left to make Troy with Wolfgang Peterson. Aronofsky then asks Russell Crowe if he's interested in being in this movie. Russell Crowe declines, saying he's too tired from making that C movie, Master and Commander. In 2005, he's still trying to, he shops actually the script around, he sends it to a bunch of comic book artists. Uh, in Vertigo, DC Vertigo puts out a illustrated version of this story in 2005 before the movie comes out. Rugs, here's a great tie-in. This was illustrated by Kent Williams, who went to where? Oh, I think he went to where you went to school. He went oh, to, shit. That's right. He went to Pratt Institute. I remember hearing about and He's an amazing, amazing illustrator. The movie gets greenlit again. This time, they're only giving him $35 million. So he has to rewrite the script to be sparser. Uh, and uh, he gets Hugh Jackman involved after seeing him in a play. Uh, here's how Rachel Weiss gets involved. It's funny. Hugh Jackman suggested Rachel Weiss, even though Darren Aronofsky and Rachel Weiss were dating at the time. Oh, shit. So Aronofsky didn't want to suggest it himself because he thought it was weird. But Jackman's like, it should be her. Uh, and then production took place mainly on a soundstage in Montreal, Quebec, which you can see. Now, the cool thing they did, all the space drippy trippy footage uh they did they had to they had less money to do so they used macro photography and this one dude who's like a chemist just recorded with macro lenses chemical reactions and they just put it and that's all the cool melty fucking shit you see uh in the original script he had written huge battles but 
That was in 2000. By 2005, like Lord of the Rings had come out and King Arthur had come out and he didn't want it to fucking look like he's copying them. So that's why you only have the conquistador versus the one dude battle uh, in the movie. And that's what the fuck happened. It's not really a battle. He just it's not a battle. It's just a, a, a face off. <laughs> but originally there was like a giant fucking conquistador and Mayan battle scene. So that's what. And after all that, I could see. It sucks what happened, and you could see the cheapness in the set, which kind of distracted me a little bit from the movie. But fuck, it's, it, this was an ambitious baby project that he did not let go of for like seven years to get this made. That's what happened. Okay. Cool. Shall we rate it? <laughs> yes. Rug Boy, what would you give it? God, I don't even know. Okay, fuck. well, I think that this is an undiscovered uh, masterpiece. Oh, fuck. Oh, um, it is a flawed masterpiece. Yeah. But I do think that it does kind of tell the story that Aronofsky wanted. Yeah. And it is off the beaten path, but I totally see it and I totally get it. And I think some of it is actually really beautiful. Um, I know that it's not for everyone. So I'm going to give it a 6.5. Right. Okay. Uh, Because I know it's because I, if I say it's a 10, which it's not, (laughs) But if I say like people are not gonna, they're gonna my Crowley Bitterly's go out the window. Uh, so I, I gotta be, I gotta temper it. So I'm gonna say it's a six point five, maybe a seven, depending if how many times you watch it, it gets better every but time. Hit, I watch it like, you know, a, so. a hidden gem though for you. Yeah, I think it's way more palatable than a lot of his other movies, mm. and I think that it's it's more visually um, poetic. Than a lot I will give you that. That's I'll give you that. You're absolutely right. It does. And I know Mother is also like his earlier movies. Like a lot of his movies literally shake you. They shake you and your belief system. And you're just like, whoa, what the fuck? This one is more of a calm, beautiful, kind of trippy vibe. Uh, it's like it's melancholy. It's sad. Uh, but it does challenge you, which is but it's not so out there that like you can't put it together if you if you wanted to. Like I, I didn't need to go and. And look anything up it's while I was there watching. I figured on, it out. Yeah, yeah, and on a second viewing, it helps. I'm also, I'm going to give it a 6.52. That's where I was, that's where I was leaning. And I love Aronofsky. Uh, so it's, it's, I think it's, it's, it is ambitious and beautiful, but maybe he just bit off a little bit more than, yeah, uh, I'll, could I'll push it to a seven. So we have a little higher score. Okay. Anthony's going to bring the curve down. What'd you give it? <laughs> Um, the more we talked about this movie, the more I disliked it. Oh, damn. <laughs> this is, uh, not, not funny. This is not for me. Not this, for this, the Anthony. After these challenging movies, some of them I like, but yeah, I think the the thing about challenging movies is they're ambitious and they 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 do challenge you. But if you don't, if you're not on board, it can go south real quick. And that's one. This one went south for me very quickly. Fair enough. I, I give this a four out of ten. Oh, shit. I had oh, very shit. little enjoyment into this. We can talk about how beautiful it was and all the transitions, but if I don't, I'm not entertained and I don't understand what's going on and I don't understand why the things are happening the way they are, then I, I'm not, I'm not going to give it a good score. That's completely yeah, fair. All fair points, and the, really, those movies on that list, the 99 Mindfuck movies, they are all weird, and most of them probably aren't palatable. But that's what I sometimes love when directors challenge things and push things and. This one, I just don't think uh, the execution was what he wanted. And yeah, I remember when I first watched it, I wasn't that high on it. Yeah. But then the second time, I yeah. I was like, "Oh shit, there's shit going on here." Maybe I'm a maybe I'm more seasoned now than you when are. I because it's what, 2006 it came out. 2006, yeah, 2006. yes. 
It's been a couple of years, you know. Well, it does have a cult following. And if you, uh, you know, I was doing a little bit of research. There's like a whole group of haters of this movie. And then there's a whole group that think it's a fucking masterpiece oh, and they love it. That. They, so a lot of people think this is Aronofsky's worse. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that letterboxed it like, a masterpiece. So. Yes. So that's, you know, if you could do that. It's my that, first Aronofsky film. Oh, really? I'm sorry. Yeah. It was this one. Honestly, <laughs> I wouldn't have picked this one. I would have told you watch fucking pie first. Watch them in order. It's really Requiem for a Dream was the one that I wanted to watch first. It, with his stuff, it kind of makes sense to watch them in order because you see him kind of develop and uh, evolve and change. From what I read, this was Aronofsky with a little bit more money. Oh yeah, him. he was supposed to have double the fucking budget. Yeah. and he they cut it down to half. So what are you the do? wrestler is not weird, is it? I don't know. No, it's not. It's pretty straightforward. I mean, he didn't write, he didn't write that. He didn't one. write those. Oh. He didn't write that or Black, Black Swan. Swan. But Black oh. Swan is kind of weird. Black Swan is a little weird. When yeah. he writes and directs, that's when things get weird. Oh. And imagine his Batman movie. I think it would have been dope. Wasn't he? Wasn't he supposed? To, wasn't there rumors he was going to do a Wolverine? I, th- I, I thought it was Batman. I don't know about the Wolverine. Maybe I thought there was. Let me I, Google that real quick. I would do love to give him a uh, superhero, a fucking dark, weird uh, superhero. No, he, maybe Moon Knight. He was supposed to do the Wolverine. Oh, he was. Yeah. Oh shit! Wow. Uh, Ended up going to do with, with that dude. Uh, uh, Man, Mangold. Mangold. Yeah. Oh, so he was supposed to do it before Mangold. Interesting. Yeah. Aronofsky. I think he was. He was supposed to do it, and the reason he didn't do it, he was going through a divorce. No, I think Aronofsky has always wanted to do a comic book movie. Obviously, since he got them to do a comic book of uh, this movie, The Fountain. Well, did you see his Noah movie? No, and that's Russell Crowe as Noah, right? That is one of the worst oh, movies shit. you've ever seen. Again, ever seen. what an ambitious <laughs> thing to tackle. I'm gonna, and he had a shitload of money with yeah, that Yeah, it had too. to be a huge budget, but like the balls, like, I'm going to show you fucking Noah making the arc, and, it's, and I think he built an actual fucking giant arc for the movie that cost lots of money, and nobody went to see it. Because he had fucking rock monsters. There was rock monsters in it? Yeah, there's like giant rock kaiju in it. Wow. And like it makes no sense. What? And it's like what? That's Get the fuck out. That's interesting. Get the fuck out of here. All right. Well, good stuff. Thank you, John Campbell. Let's get to news from the nation. It's time for news from the nation. It's time for news from the nation. <laughs> It stinks. It stinks. It stinks. Oh, it's a flapper. That was a. Well, there's still more. It's a flapper. Uh, well, guys, I have something here to share with everyone. It's uh, what you would categorize as well a bad review. What? Yeah. Do you know? You must be doing something right. Uh, possibly. We've elicited a response. This was left on our Apple Podcasts uh, page. Uh, the, it is uh, two stars. The title is Disappointed. Uh, it goes, I've always enjoyed this podcast. Unfortunately, I just listened to the Borat 2 review episode, and it was a little infuriating. Newsflash for you, fellas. Not every person who likes slash supports Donald Trump is a Confederate flag-waving toothless hillbilly from the South. Uh, I think that's a eye roll emoji. In fact, I'm the exact opposite of that description, and so are thousands of Americans. This was submitted by one pagan youper. From the United States. And uh, I'm sure we all have thoughts on uh, Pagan's critique and comment. Who wants to go first? Should I save mine for last or should maybe? Uh, oh, you. How about you go first? Me? <laughs> you, uh, no, what, I'm talking about rugs. Well, rug like, boy. Who's going to soften this here? 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to be nice. I think Rook should go first. My, this is my opinion on this. Like, um, don't be a snowflake. All right. Um, oh shit. Like, uh, you know, don't be so sensitive. We're fucking talking about Borat. We're talking about the stupid people in the movie. And we're we're going in that direction, and I don't know. Don't be so sensitive. It's not really that big a deal. Okay, Imran. Uh, so I'm actually I've re- I was thinking about this for a long time. I'll admit, Pagan Uber. <laughs> uh, but I finally came to the conclusion that I was really actually glad and grateful that she turned this in. Oh shit! I we know Pagan's a woman. W- Oh, I keep saying she. No, we don't know. I don't. I just. I, I, I apologize, Pagan Uper. I'm going to use this person's name. Uh, for some reason, I just assumed it was a woman. It's wrong of me to say that. Uh, but look, I love bad reviews. I'll tell you why. There, one or two things always happens. One is they're hilarious and completely off base, fun to share, fun to laugh at. Or two, it is a legit, you know, learning teaching moment. It is constructive criticism. So. First of all, and I think that's what this one is. I do appreciate the civil nature, Pagan Uper, uh, that you of the, the the criticism you left. And while I don't think we did, if it sounded like I was generalizing a group of people, I do apologize, and I'll tell you why. Because I know what the fuck that's like exactly. Being a Pakistani Muslim in the early 21st century uh, was a little bit tricky. You know, I feel the same way. We're not all fucking terrorists. And I, you know, and I try to present myself as I am to us. So I teach more people. Not all fucking Muslim people are terrorists. And there's still people to this day. They still make movies about it this day. Here's the thing. In both cases, there's a little truth to it. And in both cases, there's a little funny to it. Is the movie unfairly pointing out those people and making fun of them? Yes. Is it unbelievably funny? Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny is funny, but I hate to make you feel like I'm generalizing a bunch of people because I know what that's like. It's shitty. No one should do that. I've had that done to me. Now everybody knows what it feels like. <laughs> Those are my thoughts. But, but these are the same group of people that tells people not to be sensitive about stuff. I understand, but like this. Isn't that hypocritical? Now we know. Look, there's 50% right. of them out there. We know this just now. Say, I'm, just, I'm just throwing yeah, it out no, there. I mean, it's a good point. It's a good point. It's the same people who thought all Muslim people were terrorists for many, many years. Yeah. But the movie, we were talking about a movie that is the point of the movie is to make fun of those people. So yeah, maybe so we got I, swept up. Saying. Maybe it's I got not, swept up in the fucking we're thing. Not, we're not a news broadcast. Uh, we're talking about a movie. For the record, I don't think that all people support Trump are Confederate flag waving to the hillbillies from the South. Of course not. There's 50% of you on the map out there. We know this now. I know people that are like, you know, that aren't. So. Anthony, I'm done. <laughs> um, so I think I even said it maybe during the show or after the show that I think uh, I think we went pretty hard, and I think oh, we're going to get some hate. Um, I don't re- I don't listen back to the episode, so I don't have specific details of when. But I, I did feel after the show that we went okay um, right. a little further yeah. than I thought we should go on, like generalizing people and and making fun of Trump supporters as being like the 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 score the scourge of the earth and that we were generalizing so with that in mind um if we came off that way i apologize um that's now how i would want the show to come off i know a lot of people listen to the show that are trump supporters yeah um and we don't need to agree politically for you to enjoy the things we talk about nope and although we we sometimes might or me sometimes might not be able to hide the fact that 
we have opinions on things you know in the world and we're going to express those things and it might come off as insensitive at times but uh i think overall um i think a lot of people listen to this show to get away from that stuff and um you know so if, if with that in mind you know hopefully we'll be better or I'll, I'll be better personally you know i'm not going to speak for everybody because we're all different individuals and that's why we're having three different opinions on this so yeah let me tell you about is. tony all right Tony ruins lives. See, you know that I mean, I've always been an outspoken person just ripping on people on the show. And every once in a while, I might come around to you. So it's, We're I mean, equal opportunity fucking yeah. offenders. We, we how many times everybody. have you laughed at how many I made fun of other I mean, people? I make, fucking, so like, you know, I make Muslim terrorist jokes all the time. This shit is funny. I do love, <laughs> though, that you know it, we elicited a response. Like I, This is what I said. I love good review, bad review. It doesn't matter. We did something that made Pagan Youper go and type in a comment and it's a great comment and it's a good learning constructive criticism comment but the fact well, that she took Pagan action is still listening and if yes. not then, we didn't um, lose Pagan well, you know we'll uh, did, but, you know, we'll move on uh but just to even things out i'm gonna read uh, another review right below that uh five stars great podcast it is a great podcast to listen to imran anthony and rug are awesome you want all the movie news and whatever they choose jock and nerd is the podcast two thumbs up all the way they are the best keep it up jock and nerd <laughs> this is from our p downey 88 which is listener pat downey who he could oh, he could not be pat. more we uh, need more pat downey's positive dude, and passionate about Pat downey is the best he's in the group he contributes he buys merchandise he leaves good reviews jock and nerd. we need more pat downey's and Maybe a couple of listeners will leave another review. That way, Pagan Youper's review just goes down a little bit. We're not. It's, I can't delete it. It's fine. It's there. It's public. Everyone can read it. Hey, listen, we needed a review. We needed a review. And you know what? Let's get us closer. You know what? Two stars. A rating is a rating. Hey, listen. We've been going at this the wrong way. We've been asking people to yes. give us positive reviews. Let's just piss people off, yeah. and then we'll get we'll get on. Uh, you know, Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Like, Speaking of which, that that puts us at 129 ratings. Oh shit! We're trying to get to 200 to get on Rotten Tomatoes, and that counts. A rating is a rating, so thank you. I love it. It was great. Um, I'm going to segue into what are we watching <laughs> with a post by David Zika, who posted a link to a show. The show being Queen's Gambit on Netflix, and he said this is really good, and Anya Taylor Joy will get Emmy nominations. Great study of genius. You don't need to know chess. I binged this whole limited series, seven episodes. It's fucking amazing. Oh, oh my God. It's very good. She is amazing in this, and it is about a girl-child chess prodigy from the 50s through the 60s. She learns chess when she's nine. The first episode, the origin story is great, and you follow her through her 20s, uh, and it's a fucking, it's based on a book, I guess, but the chess is amazing. I read that they actually played. These were actual chess games and everything was legit chess moves. They actually played chess. They, no, I mean, they were get the fuck they were all like here. choreographed. Like all the games were even the background games. Everything was pre How did they do it? They played chess. <laughs> it makes chess nerds cool. <laughs> I recommend the Queen's Gambit. And also I'm going to watch that. I heard good things. Dude, it's fucking good. She's great. And the, the period piece, the clothes, the setting. The, uh, the, uh, so, so well done. We will get to see Anya Taylor Joy very soon because finally the new mutants will be out on VOD this week, November 17th. Oh, shit. So that's, I guess we'll be reviewing that next week. It'll be out to fucking watch finally. Are we reviewing it? We should. Are we deciding that? Okay, bye. I pre ordered it already off of Amazon. All right. This, all right. All right. All right. This is a movie. I'll watch that dude, shit. This is a movie that was shot while Game of Thrones was still on the air. Oh, shit. Imagine that. It was four years ago or something. 
Yeah. A long time, long, long time long ago. Long time. Rugs, what are you watching? I'm watching uh, right now. I'm watching uh, Jack Ryan. Oh, that's a great show. Geek Boner. On yeah, Amazon. I'm, wa- I'm watching that. It's kind of enjoyable. It's very good. You know, it's, it's like a big, long movie. You're like 24. <laughs> you like, like a it. big, long movie. It's a long, girthy movie. Anthony, you watching it's anything? Very it's girthy. I've been watching a lot of uh, Puppies? Morning Combat. It's a YouTube. Oh. I believe it's on YouTube. Um, Luke Thomas and uh, Brian Campbell. It's just about like boxing and MMA. So it's, it's interesting. I like I like their opinions on things. Luke, I retweeted something from Luke Thomas, and he uh, earned a reposted something on instagram and then he reposted my oh, thing. oh shit. shit and he was basically just making fun of anti-vaxxers where they were where they would go well, i'm not taking bill gates's vaccine because i read facebook twice <laughs> so I, I like i like making fun of anti-vaccine people and maybe that'll get a, a review a bad review yeah hey, I, oh, i'm an no. anti-vaxxer oh boy hey a rating is <laughs> a rating you. visit the apple podcast <laughs> leave your fucking hate comment there and Did you guys uh, see uh, by the way uh, side note: I don't have to t- totally derail the show, but Ticketmaster, a company I'm familiar with, um, came out with some stuff where that if you guys want to attend concerts, Hello? they uh, they have technology integrated where you would need to have a positive or negative COVID test yeah. or, or vaccine. Wait, what do you mean? They can check so you, you go to a concert to go to a concert. Oh, well, the Pfizer vaccine news uh, got everybody excited. Uh, but they, yeah, they're, they're they're developing technology where it's um, wait. What do you mean? It's in the ticket or how? No, you would upload your either negative tests within oh, 72 hours. And they're like, here's your ticket. Or if you've gotten uh, the vaccine and you would upload it to proof an of app that and take a master. Wow. To be able to go to the concert. It's not, it's not, it's not fully developed yet. It's just something that's being developed. On the horizon. Yeah. Well, it's being developed if concerts and venues wanted to implement it, if they want to do, you know. You could, more the, safe, the theater owners, you could incorporate that into like a Fandango or something there's, too. There's a lot of uh, you know uproar. I saw some you know people like we got our medical records. Some rapid and all testing, that. rapid testing would solve a lot of problems. Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, rapid I testing think, would be great. Yeah, because then you could go out about your day and be like, okay, I'm not endangering anyone. No one's endangering me. Yeah, I mean Vegas is doing a lot of the rapid testing stuff to like um, in their hotels to go to conferences and stuff. You'd get like a test in the morning and then you'd know by the afternoon if you can attend the conference and you'd know this conference was a safe bubble. I should go to get tested, doing free testing down at the you Lincoln Woods Town Center. I know I don't go anywhere. <laughs> so why would I have it? Am I wasting You're it? wasting resources. Listen, why don't you go somewhere away? and then get tested? At least there's like a, you can roll the dice. Yeah, there's a lot. There's some logic behind you getting the test. I feel like I'm taking away a test from a person that actually probably needs it because I'm not. I don't. Yeah, I'm go not, to like uh, a go like a rally or something. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> I'll find one. And then, yeah. The other thing I do want to recommend that I'm always watching on YouTube, Anthony. Yeah. Fucking Harry Mack. Harry Mack is a freestyle rapper. He, you give him three words, and he takes everything he sees, like what you're wearing, what's what behind you. Name? Harry Mack. Harry Mack. Harry Mack. Oh, okay. Mack. Harry Crack. I see Not that in the But I'll tell you this, dude. Hands down, he is the goat freestyle rapper. He is the best I've ever seen. This dude is so quick, so smart. He's putting out videos on this thing. He goes on Omegle, which is like a video chat thing where you just you you select some interests and you get a random person and so then he'll ask them for three words and they're and I'll talk to them and I'll do a freestyle rap right there incorporating all of that it is the any the people's reactions when he does this are the best parts of the video he's literally bringing joy every video he puts out i highly suggest if you're sad 
watch Harry Mack freestyle. You, you're, you just be like, holy, your mind will be blown. He is so fucking good. I want to commission him to do like a job. I want to get on Amigo so I can get him to do a jock and nerd freestyle. I think you can pay him like 300 bucks for a commission freestyle. But I want him to rap about like jock and nerd and vitiligo and podcasts and throw it all in there. I would be fucking amazing. He's so good. So good. That sounds like a plan. Harry Mack on the YouTubes. Check it out. Uh, and then uh, that's it. Visit the show notes. Uh, wait, Rugs, where can the people find you? Oh, you can find me on Twitter, but don't go there if you're sensitive. If you get a pizza, you can't take a joke. All right, don't go there. It's a free country. People could do what they want. Yeah. Uh, visit the show notes for this episode, jockandnerd.com slash 355 for all the links to all the bullshit we talked about, how to support, how to get in touch, how to subscribe. And of course, as always, tell a friend, turn people on to the show. We would appreciate it. Word of mouth is the best thing for a podcast. Thank you for listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the Jock. And he's a nerd. We'll keep you next time. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's really good. Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. This is going great. My balls are hot.